This is a message of hope and good news for you. You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Uncle Len. And the program today is entitled The Blessed Hope. Listeners, welcome to the program today. I hope all has gone well for you this last week, and if it hasn't, I hope you took the opportunity to get out your Bible and find a promise. My father was very keen on the Psalms, and his favourite was number 91. Here are the first few verses of Psalm 91. He who dwells in the, se- in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day. You do well to read the rest of the psalm for yourself. Psalm 91. Especially meaningful for me is verse 11, which says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. This week, we will look at what the Bible says about the return of Jesus. Sometimes this event is called the second coming, and was called by the Apostle Paul the Blessed Hope. Down through the ages, Christians have gone to their graves with the hope that Jesus will come again and resurrect them, and at that point of time they will be given immortality. But I have to say that there are some weird ideas that have been promoted about the subject of the second coming of Jesus. The main points we will consider today will be A, the certainty of Jesus' coming, B, the manner of his coming, C, the reason for his coming, and D, the time of his coming, and lastly, E, the signs of his coming. Now let's uh, see what the Bible says about the certainty of Jesus' coming. In John chapter 14 and verses 1 to 3, Jesus made this powerful statement. He said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, 
that where I am, there you may be also. Could any statement be clearer? Jesus told his disciples that he was going to heaven, but he would be coming back in person to collect his own and take them with him. There's nothing here about the righteous, that is the saints, drifting up into heaven on their own accord. And he would not be sending an envoy or a heavenly delegation to collect his people. He is coming himself. In the first chapter of the book of Acts from verses 9 through to 11, we have recorded an event about when Jesus left earth to go back to heaven. The disciples were there. It was not a secret event. This is what it says. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. It seems fairly obvious the two white-robed men were angels, and they spoke a message from God that the disciples needed to hear at that sad time. Jesus is coming again. According to these texts, that is a certainty, not a mere possibility. The question is, will you be ready? In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 42, we are admonished to watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. And in verse 44 it adds, therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, there is a belief around these days known as the secret rapture. In some of the verses leading up to what I've just shared with you is an illustration what may happen at the coming of Jesus. Firstly, reference is made to the time of Noah's flood, when the flood came unexpectedly and most people lost their lives by not heeding the message that Noah had been telling them. Then, an example is given about people engaged in some everyday activities at the return of Christ. Some will be lost, others saved, because of their state of unreadiness or readiness. In the 1980s and 1990s, a new spin was put on these verses and that, unfortunately, has gained a lot of acceptance. The idea is that prior to Jesus' coming, there might be a bus driver who suddenly and unexpectedly disappears and is whisked off to heaven. Or it could be a jetliner pilot, a hairdresser or whatever. They are supposedly raptured away. I believe this notion came about because of a very simplistic misunderstanding of these particular verses. I also feel that the belief has come about as those who have promoted the belief have used verses in isolation without checking out what other related verses in other parts of the Bible have to say. 
Personally, I reject the secret rapture teaching as it ignores so much other information given in the Bible about the second coming of Jesus. I'm also very suspicious about the motives of the people who push such isolationist ideas and those who choose to ignore the wider picture. There are quite a few parables, for example, the parable of the ten virgins, and various warnings given in the New Testament illustrating the importance of being ready for Jesus' coming. Critics of Christianity say, because of the uncertainty of when Jesus' second coming will be, that this is a way to control Christian believers. Make them uncertain to keep them good, they say. I regard this criticism as utter garbage. If someone lives a sinful life and then becomes converted, do they become good because of the impending return of Christ? Or do they become good out of gratitude for God's goodness to them? I suggest that we live righteous lives because we desire to love him who first loved us and not because we might miss the bus, so to speak. In Revelation, the first chapter, and in verse 7, speaking about Jesus and his coming, we read, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced, pierced him. This is no secret rapture. It will be a visible event. Every eye will see him, it says. Remember what I shared with you earlier? The main points we consider today will be the certainty of Jesus' coming, the manner of Jesus' coming, the reason for his coming, the time of his coming, and the signs of his coming. Some of the verses cover more than one of these points, including the following passages. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. That doesn't sound very secret, does it? Approximately one in each 25, that is 300 altogether, verses of the New Testament have something to say about Jesus' second coming. Is it any surprise that this is a very important and momentous event? You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Uncle Len. Please stay with us. We are going to take a short break and we'll be back soon.
Back again, listeners. That was a short interval, wasn't it? Well, I'd like to share some more verses with you. In the book of Titus, in the New Testament, chapter 2 and verse 12, and in verse 13, it teaches us, it says this, It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And then the Apostle Peter announces in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 11, where he says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and everything in it will be laid bare. So the verses I've shared with you have answered questions about the certainty of Jesus' coming, the manner of Jesus' coming, the reason for his coming, the time of his coming, but what about the signs of his coming? Is there any indication of when he's coming? Probably the best place to find some of the signs leading up to Christ's second coming is Matthew chapter 24. The disciples once asked Jesus about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and at the same time asked, When will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Before giving the answer, Jesus warned the disciples about attempts of deception. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. What he's saying here is that impostors will say, I will save you, just follow me and you'll be okay. Just to bring this into focus in our modern times, have you heard about David Koresh, the Jonestown Massacre and other upstarts who claim to be Christ? I recently heard about someone in Queensland who says he is Jesus and his partner, he claims, is Mary Magdalene. All false Christs, all who follow these impostors, are deceived. I've actually heard with my own ears someone say he was Jesus Christ. Did I believe him? No, because Jesus is in heaven at the moment and when he does come down to collect his saints from the earth, it will be a glorious event, not some little pipsqueak localised event. Jesus went on to speak about other signs, including the fact that there will be wars, natural disasters, social upheaval and even astronomical events right up to the moment when he comes. He said it'll be like in days of old, just before the Noah flood. Life was going on. People were eating, drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, the usual things of life, right up to the moment when the flood came. But there are some other signs that we should take notice of. In Second Timothy, it tells us what people will be like in the last days. This is what it says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, without self-control, brutal, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, 
having a form of godliness but denying its power. I know there have been bad people around for a long time, but it seems to me that the intensity and the frequency of the actions of evil people is much more prevalent in these modern times than it used to be. Hardly a day goes by that you don't hear of another violent act that kills and or injures multiple innocent victims. It's just so common nowadays. Law enforcement officers can't keep up, and they admit it. I had an incident recently when someone came at night and stole my trail bike, which was under cover and was stored right near our bedroom window. The bike was eventually recovered, but when I reported the theft to the police, I mentioned that the thief or the thieves had left a clear set of fingerprints on my car window. The police were not interested. The reason? We have too many cases of serious crime and just cannot keep up, they told me. Obviously, the theft of my trail bike was not a serious crime. I was disappointed, but it was very revealing to me of the amount of criminal activity going on in what I thought was a quiet, respectable community. Another sign that Jesus is coming back soon is mentioned in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, which says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I know that a lot of garbage is being preached to undiscerning people who swallow it hook, line and sinker. But real truth is also being spread and many people are turning to God as well. Due to the internet, satellite and rapid wide-reaching means of communication, the good news, the gospel, is available to more and more places in the world. Even people in countries where there is religious intolerance are able to hear the gospel because of powerful radio stations. And let's not forget the missionaries who've gone and preached the gospel to primitive people groups and the thousands every day who share on a one-to-one level of the goodness of God. Perhaps some would say that this radio program, Give Me the Bible, is another way that the gospel is being spread. But isn't the world's population growing at a faster rate than the spreading of the gospel? It probably is, but I believe the nap of the gap is narrowing. Highlighted in First Thessalonians five verses two and three is another sign. It says For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, sudden destruction will come on them suddenly, as labour pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Political peace talks. How many? How often? And then when all this peace talk is going on, Jesus will come. It's my opinion that although the world we live in is currently in turmoil, we haven't seen it all yet. And representatives of countries and politicians will attempt world peace. There'll be a lot of talking about peace. And there needs to be. 
because of the social unrest. The talk about peace is another sign of the soon coming of Jesus. There are some who hold the view that the key to peace is to have a one-world political-religious leader. They maintain that the Pope is the right person for that position. Whatever happens, I suspect there will be no real peace until the coming of Jesus. Lastly, I want to share with you what the Apostle Peter said about the last days prior to Jesus' return. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 we are told, First of all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Ha! Where is this coming he has promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Scoffers make fun of something others hold dear. Probably at no other time in earth's history do we have more people who not only scoff at the coming of Christ, but completely deny his existence. And often those who believe in Christ are fairly complacent about his coming, and in their minds they question whether he's coming or not. Many just go on with their lives as if nothing will happen. But the Apostle Peter adds, But the day of the Lord will come. So today I hope your questions about the second coming of Jesus have been answered. His coming is certain. His coming will not be secret. He will come in person. His coming will be visible, that is, you can see it, and audible, you will hear it. His coming will be to take back to heaven the saints, that is, those who accepted God's generous offer of grace <clears throat> and who've lived their lives according to his will. And his coming will be a surprise. No one knows exactly when. And then there are signs of when his coming is getting closer. But with all this information, dear listener, will you be ready? Or will you be one of those who is not ready? is not living up to God's desire for your life. I hope you choose to be ready to meet Jesus because he is passionately wanting to meet you. Next week, I want to share with you some thoughts of what the Bible has to say about the once saved, always saved belief that some people have. So, I wish you many blessings and joy and joy and peace until our next appointment. So then, this is Len signing off and hope to join you again next week. There's a river flowing free in the desert and it's water so gentle and mild Bring strength and love from the heavens above And it flows on for many a mile It winds a green path through the valley And onto the ocean beyond 
gives itself freely to a world sick and needy, to all who would come to its side. Dry soul of mine. 